Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined as always by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. Pete, how are you doing on this fine day? I'm good. I'm still ensconced in my Whitstable Bolt Hall uh, for the foreseeable, uh, but I'll be back. I'll be back soon. Back soon in London to do my biddings, do my worst. How... <laughs> How would you describe the town of Whitstable, the seaside town of Whitstable, to listeners who aren't from the UK or don't indeed know what Whitstable is? It's very beautiful. It's um, a little part of Kent that juts out into the sea. And uh, yeah, so it's all it's all very pleasant, to be quite frank. I, I, I do like the seaside. I wish I lived a little bit closer to it, but um, some things aren't to be. <laughs> it's just actually quite gonna... hard to get from the sea hard in, seaside in a town that's the problem. Are you going to go for a swim in the sea? Uh, I'm probably not going to do that. I'll, I'll usually oh. have a paddle, though. It doesn't matter how cold it is. I'll always have a little paddle. That's the spirit. <laughs> That's good yeah, to hear. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah. Well, I'm sitting here having my... I usually have coffee, right, to uh, to mm. get through the podcast in the evening. I like to have a sip of some coffee. Instead, though, today I have a new drink, Pete, a new drink that you'll love from Ooh. our favourite brand of coffee, Wonder Coffee, um, mm. which is better than Boss. And the, the coffee in question is a latte. And it's called Whitey Whitey Latte, right? Whitey which latte. sounds a bit odd. And on the back of it, there is a picture of a white guy with his thumb up saying, I'm happy because I've got my Whitey Latte. Uh, <laughs> it's all a bit ridiculous, to be honest. Would you have some Whitey, whitey Latte? Is it your thing? It, it, sound, it just sounds like Tipex. It just sounds like kind of um, the boo-boo be gone. Do you, remember the, uh, do you remember the white sort of fake paper you'd put over um, over like a mistake on your paper back in the day yes. before everything was computerised? It's very popular in Japan where things are still written by hand and uh, everything is handwritten mm. still. Tipex and those Tipex papers are like used every day here. So I remember mm. it very well. Um, I... Speaking of whitey latte, whitey, all things white this week, I saw Charlotte post a photo of a, a Japanese band. Now, you might remember about two or three weeks ago, we talked about some interesting Japanese bands we'd found um, in the Born Japan video. But Charlotte's found a band called White Explosion. Uh, white Explosion, it consists of six rather cool, slick-looking Japanese guys. White Explosion, they're coming to, Za- to the town of the city of Sapporo, uh, in a few months. Are you going to go and see White Explosion, Pete? I know, Carl. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's unedifying um, uh, as, as a grown man uh, watching any kind of Japanese pop music, but White Explosion, <laughs> my God. What a name. It's pretty shocking. Um, if you're going to call people... your band like a, a British title, at least get a British or, or English-speaking person uh, to sort of look it over and go, what does that even mean, White Explosion? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a bit questionable. I mean, I quite liked uh, Barbecue Chickens from last month. They were one of my favourite bands. 
barbecue chickens or asparagus. That was a band, wasn't it? Asparagus. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or what was the one involving? Oh yeah, come back, my daughters. That was another band we brought up, <laughs> wasn't it? Come back, uh... my daughters. Bloody hell! But um, I'm sipping my whitey latte, and we often we get loads of great photos sent in by you guys on this podcast. Mm. And recently, I've decided to put a little corner onto the Abroad in Japan website called Podcast Corner where we will be posting all the photos we often discuss, which is good because I feel like, uh, you know, we miss half the story by not showing you some of the photos that uh, that we've <laughs> we come across from you guys or Whitey Latte. So go there to Podcast Corner. Hopefully it's up right now because it's not at the time of recording, but when you listen to it, it should be there. And the first thing you see will be Whitey Latte. So you've got that to look forward to. It's almost as exciting as Story of the Week. Uh, and this week we got one from Kevin from Florida. Oh, and it's a long one, and it involves pumpkins and Halloween and being That's sleepy beautiful. on public transport. It begins, hello, carnival creature Chris and pumpkin poltergeist Pete. Sounds like a bloody poem. Happy Halloween. Um, I wanted to share this experience. I had a rather unfortunate Japanese salaryman um, that took – a rather unfortunate Japanese salaryman that took place last summer while I was travelling mm. through Japan. It's, it's quite a weird phrase, isn't it? I had a rather unfortunate salaryman. Um there I was in Tokyo on the last train back to my hotel in Shibuya after a long and lively night out. I managed to get on the train before it got too packed, so I was able to secure a seat for the ride. Thank God. Uh, during one of the stops, it came into this horribly haggard-looking... Uh, hang on. During one of the stops, in came this horribly haggard-looking... There's so much alliteration in this damn story. <laughs> horribly haggard-looking salaryman who barely managed to stumble his way into the train car. By the time, By this time... Uh, there were no seats left, so he just stood up, grabbed the strap uh, hanger directly in front of where I was sitting. The moment the doors closed, I watched him go right to right to sleep while he was standing up, his body swaying wildly back and forth with the motion of the train, only his tight grip on the strap keeping him from collapsing onto the floor. Seeing this, my first instinct was to stand up and offer my seat. He, however, looked a bit embarrassed and refused to take the seat. Fearing I did something rude in a foreign culture, I sat back down uh, without insisting. He continued, his body swaying while drifting in and out of consciousness for two more stops, until finally a seat opened up right next to me. He sat down, and no more than 15 seconds later, his head fell comfortably onto my shoulder, and he fell asleep again. I let him essentially sleep on my shoulder the whole rest of the journey, feeling bad for him because I had known about the gruelling work culture in japan uh during all this the japanese folks sitting opposite me noticed the situation and thought this was rather funny looking over and laughing all the while once we made it to shibuya which was the last stop i tried to wake him up but he wasn't having it i had to knock him on the leg pretty hard to get him to wake up and once he did he sprang up on his feet gave me a quick arigato and ran out of the train but not before all these people laughed at us uh, over and over this really made me realize the horrible effects the japanese overwork culture had on people firsthand. Um, are these things also common outside of Tokyo? And do you think the new Prime Minister uh, Suga will push for more work culture reforms to better the Japanese work-life balance? Thank you for reading this, Chris and Pete. Thank you for all the entertainment. All the best to you both. Cheers. Kevin from Florida in the USA. Uh, what do you make of that, Pete? Is this guy just drunk or was he overworked and tired? Bit of both. Tired and emotional used to be the euphemism uh, that people <laughs> used <laughs> when it comes to getting absolutely palatic. But yeah, uh, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, the fact that he sort of got jumped up and went, 
Arigato. <laughs> left. Very, very enjoyable. <laughs> Proper magical, I, that. Have you ever had anyone sleep on you on the train like that? Like, just put their head on your shoulder or anything? No, unfortunately I haven't, which is very upsetting. Unfortunately. Unfortunately not. <laughs> I uh, I certainly have. It's happened to me at least three or four times in Tokyo. Right. And, uh, you just sort of go along with it, really. Or you have to sort of just go <clears throat> and sort of nudge, <laughs> nudge your... Uh, your shoulder slightly to wake them up. It's a little bit weird. Um, it's interesting. This story ties in with an article I saw uh, just today um, about, I say article, it was a photo somebody posted to Twitter where there's two new skyscrapers over Shibuya Crossing, the uh, Shibuya Scramble building and the Google building. And um, mm. what someone noticed was at 6 p.m., the Google building, nearly all the lights were off. Whereas in the next, the building next door, the Shibuya Scramble skyscraper, which is home to um, uh, Japanese social networking site Mixi, which I don't mm. know how that still exists because I don't think anyone uses it, um, and another Japanese ad agency, I think, the lights were all still on. Everybody was still there, and from that one photo, you could see the kind of the differences Difference between working culture. cultures. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. West meets East. Interesting. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much to look into it because obviously. With COVID, a lot of uh, companies have sent people home uh, and to do telecommunication, teleworking, um, and I know Google's done that. So I suspect that's mm. probably a factor as well. But yeah, I thought it was quite interesting. Um, yeah. Typically, Japanese companies, it's, it is difficult to uh, to go home early. We've talked about that many times. The work culture in Japan is phenomenally bad, and people here don't take their holiday leave. I remember I did a video last month where I talked about it, I think, you get 20 days leave, but on average, most people take 10 days leave. Um, mm. They only use half of it because it's seen as a kind of, there's a stigma around taking your holiday. People will make you feel guilty. Your colleagues will make you feel guilty. Your uh, boss will make you feel guilty because you're letting down the team, right? Very flawed, really outdated, silly um, work culture. And I don't think, I can't say I'm enthusiastic that uh, the new prime minister Sugar, as I call him, Sugar. Uh, I don't sugar think man. he's going to fix it magically. What do you reckon, Pete? What will Sugar do? What will Sugar well, do? I don't know. He's, he's, he seems to be like uh, he's an administrator uh, of uh, Shinzo Abe's at work over the past few 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 uh, years. So yeah, he's just seen like more more of the same, isn't he? A, a guy who just enables um, the the smooth running or the continued running of what what came before. So I I don't foresee any. Mm. Maybe it'll just be that. But you put more stomach crunches. I don't know because he's obviously a big ab monster, <laughs> big gym bunny. It was well, yeah. He does like a hundred press ups a day or something ridiculous, doesn't it? Five a.m. Yeah. He's one of these early risers that gets up at 5 a.m., bashes out an hour of press-ups and exercise and then gets on with it. And he's like over 70. He's quite impressive, to be honest. Mm. But uh, yeah. I, he was always uh, Shinzo Abe's fixer, right? He was the guy that got things done. He was the guy that oversaw the cabinet. And uh, he's not the most charismatic figure. Whether he gets no. anything done or changes anything remains to be seen. But uh, I don't think he's going to fix it. One thing that's... Um, that's some piece of good news, I guess, is that uh, the good old tuna auctions are back on uh, in Tokyo. Not Skiji Market, of course, that is closed. Uh, it is the uh, Toyosu Fish Market, uh, which is back to business as usual, it seems. And the tuna auctions are a big part of that, right? Um, Skiji Market was always a big thing. I know I had to. I went down there and I filmed it at least two or three times. I got thrown out for going too far into Skiji Market uh, before they knocked it down. I, get, I loved Skiji Fish Market. I was really sad when they got rid of it. Did you ever get to go there before they, they pulled it all down? 
Uh, back in the day, yeah, I had a, had a bit of food there, but I didn't actually go to the actual. I just went to some restaurants around there at like five o'clock in the morning, post bar, <laughs> but I uh, didn't didn't get to see any auctions. I take my hat off to anybody who can eat sushi at five a.m. I did it <laughs> when I, my first time in Skiji. I went there at five a.m. and uh, I was pretty hungover. I've been doing karaoke all night. I don't think I slept at all, and then I went to this little sushi restaurant sticking out of the market and ate a plate of sushi. And I was new to sushi at the time. I hadn't really mastered the art of eating raw fish and i remember trying desperately not to be sick all over the bar counter uh, as the chef sort of looked on as i very slowly munched each piece of nigiri uh zushi it was pretty traumatic and the fact that i wasn't sick was one of my greatest achievements to be honest i've done some great things in my time but that was easily in the top five not being sick at skiji market at 5 a.m whilst tragically hung over how did you eat sushi at 5 a.m pete how did you do it What's the oh, I'd had a drink, but, but it was. Uh, I can eat uh, sushi anytime. I bloody love sushi; it's delicious. Well, hopefully, when the doors open and you're allowed back, you can go and see the chin auctions in Toyosu. And um, mm. I haven't actually been to Toyosu Market yet. I think a lot of people, a lot of the old guard that used to work at Skiji who had to move to Toyosu, weren't overly enthusiastic. I mean, what I'll say about Skiji was it was cool. The atmosphere was phenomenal. It was like going underwater. There was so much water gushing around the market. There were so many taps running, fish everywhere. Mm. And it was really chaotic. And it had this kind of wonderful old vibe to it. It felt like it had just been left there since the 60s. And you could certainly feel that in the air. At the same time, I think there were a lot of rats and things. And I remember we talked about it years ago when it did close in 2018, uh, how the when the market, when Skiji was bulldozed, the the main wholesale market, uh, a lot of Tokyo saw massive rat infestations because all the rats suddenly had no food and they all emigrated. They all migrated Aww. over to the mainland um, off the island uh, and into like Ginza and whatnot, which was kind of been a very fun year for the people of Ginza. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, is kind of, it looked kind of really sterile, brand new, wonderful, shiny, but a bit sterile. Um, so I've never yeah, really been. That's always the way it's going to be, though, isn't it? It is, yeah. New. But I don't know if any of you guys have been to Toyosu. It'd be good to hear your impressions of it. Was it a good market? How's it compared to Skiji? And of course, Skiji Fish Market is still open a little bit, like the um, the bit, or rather the good, the bit that's that was always good, the bit with all the markets where you can eat food. That's still there. And I made a video there with Ryotaro last year, and I was pleasantly surprised to see that um, you can still go there for tea, you can still go for sushi, you can still get lots of nice things like um, uh, eggs and whatnot tamagoyaki so i do recommend still going there and i think i'd rather go to the outer skiji market and eat all those dishes than uh, than go to the brand new shiny toyosu fish market to see the tuna auctions which personally i've always found a little bit underwhelming i've been to many tuna auctions over the years both in skiji and in sendai and it's all right but there's only it lasts like two minutes and it's very quick people shout things you won't know what they're saying and then lots of tuna will suddenly disappear. And I've never really, I can't say I'm a fan. Have you seen the tuna auctions themselves? Have you ever actually seen them? I've seen videos of it where you, um, where that man comes and he's like the big swinging sushi guy in Tokyo and he uh, comes and buys the $1 million, $2 million uh, uh, tunas because it's, uh, it's a point <laughs> oh, of principle yeah. that he has to buy the, the most expensive tuna every year. He does. Kiyoshi Kimura, I think. The, um, mm. the tuna king, they call him. The tuna king. Uh, he uh, he does he, every year at the start in January he buys the most expensive one I think the most he spent is 3.1 million dollars on a single 
fish and that is a lot. It's a big fish, but it's not really worth that. It's more a PR stunt, right? It's the principle mm. of getting this big catch of the year. Um, yeah, good old Kiyoshi Kimura. To be fair, he does have what I believe to be the best sushi chain uh, in Japan. Sushi's Amai. If you're in Tokyo, if you're in anywhere in Japan, Sushi's Amai. You can always get a decent meal there. Pricey, but reasonably good. Um, with that, we turn our attention to the fax machine. What do we got this week, Mr. Donaldson? What we got? We've got a message from Ashlyn in North Carolina in the US of A. Hello, Mr. Donaldson and Broad. Love the party. I'll keep me company when, you're, when I'm in my car running errands. I hope the errand that you're running right now is an enjoyable one. <laughs> Ashlyn. Um, I've been meaning to send an email for weeks with a story from my trip from Japan last spring. I actually have enough stories to fill a whole episode on my own, but I'll just tell one. It was my first trip to, uh, it was my first trip, so I did Tokyo, Kyoto, Osaka, Nara, and a lovely tea village near Kyoto. While I was in uh, Asakusa in Tokyo, I stopped at a shop eating, uh, eating, selling Magikarp shaped taiyaki, and, uh, and I ducked into a side. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile. slash switch. Upfront payment of forty five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. In our daily lives, we all carry around with us different stresses. They can be big, they can be small, and sometimes we might not even realize that we're carrying them around with us. But if these feelings stay bottled up, they can start to affect us negatively, which is why having a positive outlet for discussion can be such a valuable tool for your well-being. Therapy can be a perfect outlet for your inner stressors. It's a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just speaking things out into the open can be such a great release of inner tension. So you can spend less time stressing about the issue and more time figuring out how you can overcome it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Japan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Japan. I street to stand on the curb and eat it. I was standing near a small clothing boutique when a small elderly woman came out from the back of the shop with a handful of breadcrumbs. She looked up at the sky and made some kind of call. About ten blackbirds descended. She scattered the breadcrumbs and left them. On her way back, she pointed at my taiyaki and said, You like it? I smiled and said, Oishi. She smiled back and returned to her shop. Not even a minute later, an elderly man came out from one shop over, shooed all the birds and went back in. Who was this woman? Do all elderly women have magical bird taming powers? Do you think her, uh, she and her curmudgeonly neighbour are in some kind of bird-related feud? All I really know is that she really made my day. <laughs> Lovely old job, that. <laughs> Do you know what taiyaki are? You familiar with them? Um, you get them on the on the corner of um, Chinatown in the uh, Chinese bakery. Um, they mm. are little fish shaped, um, sort of cream filled um, pastries, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really quite nice. They're very bloody hot. Mm. If you get them when they're freshly cooked, it will ruin your mouth for the next three days. But I love, <laughs> I love the way this this nice story. This woman who was just feeding the birds turned into some sort of terrorist Pitched who's battle. just been terrorizing yeah. the taiyaki stand. This person <laughs> painstakingly cooking his taiyaki. 
uh, fish and all these birds come down and ruin the atmosphere because of this crazy elderly woman. What do you reckon? Nice woman or bird terrorist? I don't know. I think anyway, in the city, it's uh, it's a different um, story, isn't it? People don't generally like uh, the birds, but I think um, I th- the problem with like Japanese um, crows and stuff, they're 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 big buggers. They are frightening animals. <laughs> Absolutely scandalously huge. Scandalously huge. I mean, <laughs> what I like is Ashlyn asks, "Who was that woman? Do all Japanese elderly women have magic mm. bird taming powers?" I don't know who the woman is, Ashlyn. I, I can't begin to speculate. Um, I'll have to go down. I'll have to go down to Asakusa in Tokyo uh, for a few days and track her down, hear her story, <laughs> give her the Abroad Japan it. episode she deserves. Uh, <laughs> Wonder. <laughs> we got one. <laughs> one from Nico from Virginia. He says, "Hello." Hello, Pete and friend. Pete and friend. Oh, we, nice. <laughs> with reopening on the horizon, I've started to plan out my first trip to Japan with great enthusiasm and excitement. However, I have run into a bit of a conundrum. Given that this is my first trip and that I probably won't get another opportunity for years, I want to make it a great, worthwhile, month-long adventure that covers much of the country. But I also want to spend uh, time appreciating certain areas and the journey to them. Should I speed run across the country, hitting up major cities and landmarks from Sapporo to Kagoshima using trains and flights, or should I take a completionist approach and take my time in a more modest area, like a loop around Sendai and Osaka, exploring every nook and cranny as I go? I just want to balance seeing enough with enjoying enough and avoid any regrets. Thank you for all the great Mm. content. Nico from Virginia. That's a good question. That's pretty interesting i mean we talked about how um it looks like japan is hopefully fingers bloody crossed gonna reopen around april um i that's speculation at this point but that's when it's looking like it so time to get your travel plans ready uh what do you reckon pete would you speed run across the country or would you take your time and go to less locations it's an interesting question yeah, I would. I would take my time. Um, I've I've fallen foul of this so many times. So I've just went. I'm going to go mm. here and going to go there and going to go there. And you're just like, oh. I mean, it's very easy to get around, but it's just a bit of a pain that you're just always on the move. Give yourself a bit of time, soak it up, enjoy it, but don't sleep all day like I do frequently. <laughs> you, you do sleep an awful lot. To be fair, whenever I meet you in Japan, you're always jet lagged, and like the first yeah, two well, days. I mean, are there's right a reason on. for that, Chris. There's a reason for that. <laughs> get a better plane. Get a better uh, plane. Um, no. I yeah, I don't know really. It all depends on you, to be honest, uh, Nicole. I I yeah, I don't know. I'd start in Sapporo. Maybe can you, if you can drive, then that adds a new dimension, right? You can drive your mm. way across Japan. But uh, I mean, the country's so well connected. I'd say don't speed run it, and you don't need to speed run it if you've got a month. You can comfortably see everywhere in Japan um, in a, in a month, like all the main best yeah. places. Um, go to you know. Sendai, go to Sapporo, go to Kyoto and Takayama in the centre of Japan, go to Osaka, go to Matsuyama in Shikoku, go to Hiroshima, Fukuoka and uh, go to Kagoshima. You can do everything, honestly. The only thing I'll say is maybe miss out Okinawa because that is another flight mm. down south and that's another yeah. that's a journey for another time, I'd say. As Outside of Okinawa, I, you could pretty much see the entire country in a month. So good luck with that. Let us know how you get on, but uh, don't speed run it. Less locations for longer. Um, Ashley from Bristol says, Hi, Chris and Pete. Loving all the content from you both. I was watching episode one of the new Journey Across Japan series, and I noticed, like me, and 10% of the rest of the world, Chris is left-handed. 
<laughs> why are people so amazed by this? I always wonder. I find it's an, an affliction that can hinder us for the most trivial tasks. The common one being smudging words on the page when writing. Do you find mm. that writing Japanese was more difficult for you uh, than it would have been for a right-handed person, particularly as I understand that stroke order is important? To extend the question to Pete, are you learning to read and write Japanese or are you focusing on speaking and listening mainly? Keep up all the good work. Uh, all the best. Ashley from Bristol. Uh, yeah, it has been a pain uh, writing Japanese with my left hand. It's um, I, 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 I got called out a lot for it. Uh, a lot more here than I did back home for having a left mm. hand. Interestingly, they call it um, Southpaw in Japanese. They use that word. They go, oh, Southpaw, don't they? Because I've some sort of affiliation with baseball there. Um, yeah. So if you want, if, if somebody calls you a Southpaw, it means like, oh, you're left handed, right? Uh, and it's, yeah, it's a bit annoying. It is annoying, but it hasn't really got in the way of getting things done. It's never stood in the way of building a YouTube channel and that's all that matters. But yeah, can be a bit annoying. Just get a, my trick, my hack is to get a pen that bloody dries quickly and you'll save yourself a lot of hassle, to be honest. Um, what about you, Pete? Are you learning to read and write Japanese or are you focusing on speaking and listening? Um, I'm doing neither because I'm not going to be... I, I, you know what? You know me. I only ever um, learn stuff a couple, of, uh, a couple of months before I actually go away and because I've got nothing booked... I've got no reason to. Very upsetting. I should really be using this time of lockdown to to learn stuff, but I'm just too bloody busy with other stuff, to be quite frank. I'm busier than ever. God damn it. Too busy splashing about in Whitstable, not studying Mm, Japanese. That's all all I'm hearing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Over to Brent. What have we got? Brent says, let's have a look here. Brent is, uh, has got in touch by the fax machine. Um, hi, Chris and Pete. Having lived in Japan for four years, most of the podcast topics resonate with me, and I can't help myself but writing in. Uh, long story short, when I was preparing to leave Japan, one of the last things to do was close my bank account. For whatever reason, I didn't have my hanko. I uh, can't remember if I had simply forgotten it or already mailed it home as an omiyagi in one of the boxes uh, of belongings that I was shipping. This created a bit of an issue at the bank. Luckily, they had a solution. The bank representative told me that any hanko would suffice and that I got the dice go across the street and just buy one. I was quite surprised, but eager to avoid a lengthy bureaucratic interaction, so I did. I chose one that said Tanaka and closed out my account as such. I've attached a photo of the document slash Hanko in question, which I posted on Instagram, Facebook at the time, along with some incredulous responses from friends in Japan. Brent just absolutely committing bank fraud and closing up his account with someone else's name. Bloody Hanko stamps. Seriously. I didn't know. Uh, I've always wondered if you can use the ones at Daiso, like the 100 yen store, right? Um, right. For those of you who don't know what a Hanko stamp is, it's kind of the Japanese equivalent of a signature. When you're doing important official things like banking or uh, business, mm. you do need a Hanko stamp, right, rather than a signature. They are trying to phase it out, thankfully and brilliantly, but uh, it causes a lot of issues like this, right? Like, uh, I mean, I I lost mine completely. When I went to a bank, they asked for it. I said I lost it two years ago. They kicked up a storm. Ten employees at this bank like got in a circle and debated what to do, and then they just let it go. So it's not the end of the world. But right. what I took away from that, my, for some reason, I was, I, as I was listening to that, I, I heard the word Tanaka. It reminded me of You Only Live Twice, the James Bond film with Sean Connery in that uh, has not stood the test of time well. I rewatched it the other day, right? Because uh, the great Sean Connery sadly passed away tragically last week, um, his legacy lives on, though, with some great films, one of which is You Only Live Twice, the only Bond film, I think, where Bond comes to Japan. 
the whole film is set in Japan as well, more or less, which yeah. is rare for a Bond film. No globe trotting, it's all set in Japan. And in that one, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it, Pete, but they make him Japanese. Have you seen that? Have you seen Bond I'm become Japanese? Seen, no, I'm not seeing that, no. Oh, my one, God. One, one of the more problematic things, uh, one, one of the many problematic things that man has done in his life, to be quite frank, good Lord. <laughs> well, what happened, <laughs> what happened was they... Uh, they decided that Bond needed to become Japanese to marry mm. a Japanese woman to blend in with the locals. Or something. Right. It was ridiculously contrived. I don't know why they thought it was a good idea, maybe for a Japanese audience. And they made him Japanese <laughs> by sticking a wig on him and salotaping mm. his eyebrows and uh, eyelids Jesus. up. Literally, like, Christ, it like. is ridiculous. I can't believe yeah. they got away with it back in 1967 when it was released. But uh, fair play to them. Um, it's an interesting film. I I quite well, I, I I enjoy watching it just because it's interesting seeing what the the kind of the British and American film producers view Japan to be like. Um, mm, Japan is yeah. portrayed as this kind of silly, wacky place. Like the the um, the Secret Service in Japan, they have all this bizarre gadgets because it's Japan's obviously a technological wonderland. Mm. And uh, at one point in the film, they're being chased in a car by some some baddies and uh, Bond, Bond's Japanese assistant, the spy woman is like, get the magnet. And uh, a helicopter just turns up with a gigantic magnet, picks up the car uh, that's chasing them and just drops it in the sea of Japan and just splashes down. <laughs> just like Japanese. I don't even know if Japan has a secret service. I've never heard about it. If there's one that exists, I've never heard about it. They are but, secret. Uh, <laughs> they're so secret. But I like the yeah. idea that they go around with helicopters with gigantic magnets just picking cars off the road. Brilliant stuff. Got to go and watch that. <laughs> I urge you to watch it, Pete. While you're enjoying your time in Whitstable, All right. sit down, watch your of Dice. <laughs> you won't be disappointed. Um, keep the stories, questions, comments coming in to Podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back in the next few days, guys, to do it all over again. But for now, no matter where you might be, out there in the big wide world, have yourself a great few days. Enjoy what's left of the weekend uh, or the start of the week. And we'll see you on... Wednesday. Have a good one. Ta-ta. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network. 